Welcome to Path to Story, a Warhammer Age of Sigmar Path to Glory podcast, where we focus on the lore, rules, and storytelling of narrative play. Thank you for joining us once again as we pitch our tents, set up camp, and share our tales from along the path to story. Your companions around the campfire this episode are... I'm Harry, but today I'm Amber King Macelor Daggerborn, arrogant spite friend of the Penumbral Wargrove. Is his last name Mace Lord Dagger Lord? Daggerborn. Daggerborn. Sorry, I think my voice cracked there. Yes, it's Amber King Mace Lord Daggerborn. No, it, it didn't crack. I just I wasn't sure if that's actually what it was cuz he 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 knows the lore of maces and was born of daggers. <laughs> it's a blunt way right. of putting it. <laughs> That's fun. I like it. Name is yep. Amber King. Amber King. That's his. That's his title. So gotcha. maybe he his mace is completely made from amber bone. Maybe he's slowly going crazy and or more bestial. Yeah, and yeah. he just loves weapons. <laughs> well, it's so it's spelled M A E S L O R, mace lore. Okay, but. Which <laughs> might be pronounced differently if I had a British accent. <laughs> that that A E yeah. sound it could be McClure. No, it's an S. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, hmm. No, that's how I'd pronounce it. I'm just imagining his parents talking like, "Oh, what's your favorite thing? Oh, I love maces and you know mace lore and, and, and stuff daggers. like that." And the <laughs> and the mom was like, "Oh, mace lore. That's such a pretty name." <laughs> All right, so I am Paul, but today I am Tatharkas Brinesneer, heartless voyager of the Abyssal Tempest. Brinesneer. Tatharkas. So, so he's got a, a Brinesneer, just like a frozen, like resting mean face. Right. Or he just eats a lot of pickles. So he just right. smells yeah, like too, pickles man. all the time. He's yeah, sneering true. because of his pickles. And then... <laughs> Heartless of the Abyssal Tempest. Heartless Voyager of the Abyssal Voyager. Tempest. So he's just... An Abyssal Tempest. Honestly, this... I don't think it's an option on Realm of Plastic, but this is a, va- a Vampire Coast character. Right. <laughs> he's dead, he's got no heart, and he's just sailing around. His face is frozen because of... What's it called? Like when your muscles stiffen after you die. Oh, uh, rigor mortis. Yeah, yeah he's just got rigor mortis, and he's sailing around the seas. The, this, this storm that's Smelling in the depths. Yeah. Well, I mean, Brian could also refer to you know the sea. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So, although pickles are fun, pickles are and, fun. and tasty. <laughs> are they kosher dill pickles or are they bread and butter pickles? Is my question. Hmm. Hmm. I'm gonna say bread and butter. Yeah, it just seems like something a vampire would have. <laughs> I'm going to say dill. Yeah. Mm, all right. Yeah. Just a little. I like this. I, I think it completely changes the character if it's bread, or, bread and butter or dill. Because, like, bread and butter oh, really smells does. good, right? Yeah. Like, you'd be like kind of like a charismatic. But if it's like kosher dill, it's like, that's not, you know, like, it's fine, but. Yeah. Right. It's a harsh man. Yeah. 
<laughs> as as all good pirate captains should be. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's whether or not he's um, like Blackbeard or if he's the captain from Our Flag Means Death, who is the gentleman pirate. <laughs> And I'm Will, but today my name is Fabanked Flesh Hugger, Reckless Behemoth of the Megalithic Meat Caravan. I don't want to say what my first thought was based on that name. So <laughs> let me just Harry, what did you Should think? Blow past that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um hmm. I'm gonna say an ogre butcher. Like that's that's the safest bet because it's, it's, it's either that or or we go down the Slanesh route. <laughs> Who's that? Um, that new Hedonite uh, hero, Glutose. the one that gets yeah, Glutos, yeah, yeah, Glutos, yeah. <laughs> who, in my mind, has kind of like replaced the role of Greasius Goldtooth mm-hmm. in yeah. in the model range, even though it's a completely different faction. Yeah, completely different vibes, but he still has like a caravan of the most exotic meats trailing behind. Yeah. So his little, it, we're still not sure if it's a halfling, but the little homunculus that's feeding him like the yep. tentacle on the miniature. Yeah. It's just going to the caravan and grabbing new food for him all the time. <laughs> maybe, think... maybe it's a Slaneshi ogre being mm, carried around yeah. by like little demon noblars. Yeah. I bet Glutose loves pickles. That's on this. <laughs> yeah. I think he pickles most things. Yes. Otherwise, it'd be hard to train. You know, they don't have refrigerated tra- train cars. Exactly. In AOS. So you got to figure something out. And he's got to be able to eat something like right away. He cannot wait for it to cook. Like he doesn't have that kind of time. He needs no. to be able to open the jar, get his huge hand in, get it stuck, have to have someone help him get it out uh, and then eat right away. Yeah, I imagine he pickles a lot of things that we wouldn't think to pickle. Yeah. Yeah, there's a Portlandia skit called We Can Pickle That, where they just, like, <laughs> it's just they point to anything and then they, they'll try to pickle it. Yeah, that sounds right. Pickled porkhocks, they're a thing. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us for this episode of Path to Story. There has been a fair amount of new releases since we last met. The big one being the Dawnbringers Harbingers book has actually come out. Uh, I was able to come out with my own uh, narrative supplement, and we had an interesting article about the upcoming Cities of Sigmar release. And we're going to get into all of that. But before we do, we're going to catch up on our hobby since uh, last we met. Paul, what have you been working on? Well, I've still been working on my Graz. Um, still working on my Cathardian Cavalcade. Um, slowly but surely getting the painting done. Uh, the thing that I think is most fun to talk about, though, is I made a Kragnos proxy. And it is based on um, Scragrot the Loon King riding the moon from the Loon Shrine. But instead of... Ooh. Being on a rock pillar, it actually has spider legs now. Um, so, because of course. Because of course. Uh, so I've been thinking about doing a Kragnos proxy for a while, but I, I was pretty happy about how it turned out. I was literally looking at like the spider legs. The first two that I was going to put on, I was like, there's no way this is going to work. These are so freaking tiny. This is just right. going to look stupid. <laughs> so where and do you find like, big spider legs? 
Well, they're arachnoid legs. Oh. And okay. so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to believe in the vision and I'm just going to glue it on there. And then we'll see what happens when I glue on six. And when I put on six, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, no. This is exactly the way it's supposed to look. This is perfect. Do nice. They, do they still look like a little tiny compared to the moon? Yes. Yeah. I honestly, I think that's even better. Mm-hmm. To just think of like this big moon with tiny little legs like scurrying along. Exactly. Makes Isn't there a much smaller moon on legs? Yes, there is in the uh the squig hopper boss. Oh, he that's has right. A little oh, yeah. thing. Yeah, and that's that's where the idea came from. Oh, okay. Is I saw that and that only has four legs. So I was like, well, I have to have at least six legs on the Loon Shrine moon. So Yeah. 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 And then I just put Scragrot riding him because I mean, when you got a mount that large, somebody has to be riding it. And out that's of all awesome. the grots, it's gotta be Scragrot. So it's got to be the king. Exactly. Well, I I think I saw the picture when you shared it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, my first thought, I didn't ask you um, at the time, but I, I assumed that you were doing it as a, a Warlord of Havoc for Holy Havoc this year. Again, that would have been a great idea <laughs> if I was going to Havoc. But um, yeah. So I actually had the rock for... The Loon Shrine I used for last year's Havoc for my Trogoth throne. So that was just my mm, best box. Right. Yeah, I oh, so, okay. you know, just a, a moon from the Loon Shrine in my best box because, you know, it happens. You you know you're a true hobbyist when you can say things like, I had a spare entire moon and a handful of Arachnorok legs lying around that I wasn't already using. <laughs> Oh, I have more than a handful of Arachnid legs. Oh, I know. Legs. <laughs> those are the ones that it's just like, okay, these are the ones that are going to work. I've still got like, you know, eight or ten more sitting in there somewhere. A whole other Arachnid still on sprue. And just like, you know, just in case I need one. Yep. yep. Yeah. You're you're one of the few hobbyists I couldn't think of that like has models like that lying around for conversions. Mm-hmm. Like. Like I'm sure Martin Orlando is like, I have a spare entire techless somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> or Tomb King Tristan with just the army of Tomb King models just yeah. around his apartment. Yeah, <laughs> my favorite thing about the conversion lives. was I literally had everything in my bits box. I didn't buy a single thing. I was just like, yeah. I don't know, wow. this for my bits box and this for my bits box. And this, yeah, it's fine. That's awesome. Yeah, oh, that's so good. Um, and then my hobby has been a bit slow. I've been in the middle of um, moving apartments, so everything has sort of been packed up. Uh, what I have been working on is just some lore for the character named Sever uh, that my all of my online handles are based off of. I've never actually played him in Warhammer. It's originally a D&D character. So just coming up with where this person fits in the realms and then actually starting to i finally primed the model uh which is that kato ezekr model with uh can't think of his name Bolternos, the the king of the idoneth i have his bald head with an eye patch on there oh cool yeah so I'm so, so tell tell us a little bit about the character where does he fit into the mortal realms i found a way to fit him into the mortal realms uh two years ago with animosity three um, which is an online narrative event. We had kind of talked about it last episode when we talked about the White Dwarf article and Layla mm-hmm. who was a part of that writing team. Uh, so Sever is an elf for one of the factions called the Orinar, 
and he is what I call a ledger keeper. Basically, this faction had a bunch of vaults with powerful artifacts that their leader was like a doomsday prepper. Like, we're going to store everything. It's all too dangerous. We don't want Spirefall 2.0 happening. Right. And so this character was someone who guarded the vaults, and he would go out seeking new artifacts to bring back. Okay. Uh, But he was a side character for the Hobgrad I was playing that year. As the years kind of went on and we kind of moved to the Hungering Step, that's where my Hobgrass were from. So I found a way for him to go back there. He kind of learned some cool things. Um, he picked up some necromantic abilities. As one does. As one does, of course, uh, which fits into the lore of one of the places in the Hungering Step called the Fortress Librarium. Okay. Which is, it's got a realm gate to an afterlife in Shayish for mages. Oh, specifically for mages. Specifically for mages. And it was this massive library where people could come visit and they could glean knowledge from these mages. It was just like a school where all the professors are undead. Neat. Then the necroquake happened and they all went insane. So now instead of going there to like learn and take notes, you have to fight the mages and steal their knowledge. Oh, wow. And so he would go in there to get artifacts and knowledge. And bring it back. I mean, let's be honest. If you're a professor, you're probably all not all not not that greatly skilled at fighting, right? right. So you're just <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> you're coming to be like, hey, give me that. No, and then you're like, all right, I, I tweak your nose. Oh, fine, fine, you can have it. Whatever. But these are wizard professors. Yeah. So fair. Um it, I did run uh, a few years ago a one-shot soulbound session in there where I my favorite joke was there was a, a bunch of multicolored night haunt flying around because it's all just the undead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the wizards had launched an endless spell. And so the players are running down the hallway with these different colored ghosts behind them. And then the <laughs> giant Ravenax gnashing jaws painted yellow chasing them through this labyrinth. <laughs> and it took awesome. the players a good four seconds to realize I was making a Pac-Man reference. (laughs) As soon as I put it down, they're like, son of a, how dare you? That's amazing. Were you able to put little cherries in and stuff, you know, in the corners and not quite. They, they caught on too quickly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so Sever is recently coming back from there and he's joining the latest animosity campaign where he is hanging out in Olgu, which will be a, my way of getting him to uh, the veins. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I think that is everything I have on him. I want it to be more of a, a natural growth through events just to kind of see what happens. Yeah. Cool, cool. And Well, before we leave the topic of him... Are you doing uh, Anvil of Apotheosis to, to represent him, or are you I, using a, an existing War Scroll? So it is Anvil of Apotheosis. Okay. Um, I kept it pretty simple. Uh, mage with Raised Dead. He's got a single long sword. I gave him some abilities, uh, and then he actually has an artifact, which is just a way of cheating that gives him a bunch of rend, because in Animosity 3 those elves that were out there had, they actually had army rules you could use to play as them. Okay. And one of the artifacts is called the starlight saber or the star 
lightsaber. <laughs> and so it's just it just gives your weapon minus three rend. Oh. I so see. he's got one of those running around with it. Which is pretty sweet. A globy retractable sword. Yeah, exactly. Yes. He flicks his wrist and then, you know, Hishian Starlight, nice and blue, <laughs> uh, becomes the blade. Extends from the hill. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. the stupidest puns are the best. Yeah. Types. You mean the best puns are the best? Yeah, same thing. <laughs> I will go on record and saying a stupid pun is a better pun. And oh, exactly. One that you have to think about it and they go, oh. oh. It's the best. The louder the ground, the better it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, Harry, what have you been working on? Well, currently I'm working on building some Venari Dawn Riders because my son, as you guys probably remember, was gifted the um, the Spire of Dawn slash Island of Blood uh, High Elves, and I wanted to get my hands on some of those Alarian Reavers for my all High Elf Lumineth army that I'm doing. So I want to use the the, uh, the Reavers to represent my Hurricane um, Wind Chargers. So okay. he was like, "Well, I want to use them as uh, Dawn Riders." So I told him. How about I get you real Dawn Riders? <laughs> those Alarian Reavers. So he agreed, and I kind of dragged my feet on picking up the uh, the actual Dawn Rider kit because he's got tons of models that he's working on right now. Right. And um, so finally, I got him, and I'm building him now, so he can he can start using them instead of proxying his uh, Alarian Reavers as Dawn Riders. Nice. nice. And then. My other hobby recently um, has been kind of unexpected turn. Well, first, I'll, I'll readily admit that I did get sidetracked by a <laughs> box set for a certain other Warhammer game that came out recently. Um, Kill Team? <laughs> well, you can use the models for Kill Team. <laughs> uh, no, I've been building the, the Leviathan box, and gotcha. it's amazing. Um I definitely enjoy that that side of the hobby as well. But I know that this is not a Warhammer 40,000 podcast. So I'll move along to the the other thing that I'm working on is I stumbled across a local player who, for whatever personal reasons, and they didn't share a lot with me, um, was getting rid of a whole Soulblight army for very cheap like the cost of one box of um death rattle wow so yeah i was able to give that army a new home and now i have a soul blight army that i didn't expect to have so i need to go (laughs) out and get a battle tome right and and figure out what i want to do with this army so i've got uh let's see it's got lukavai it's got five of the blood knights okay Mm -hmm. It's got the um, that commemorative edition vampire, the bald lady with the yeah. little yeah. dragon pet. I love like her. Yeah. yeah, that's a really cool model. Um, really cool. And then let's see, 20, 20 death rattle and what was it? Twenty death rattle and forty. 
of the um no 30 of the um grave what are they called zombies but they're yeah, not zombies. Called zombies anymore. dead walkers dead walkers that's what they're yeah. called thank you yeah no three units of dead walkers i don't remember what they come in, what size they come yeah. in it was i think they come in size of 20 is it 20 mm-hmm. yeah. no it's okay so it's it's just 40 it was two units okay. of dead two units of dead walkers and um two units of of the death rattle yeah that's right because they come nice. in tens yeah. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of undead that I hadn't expected to have. So no. up up until now, the only things I've had for for um, soul blight or legions and gash, whatever you want to call it, um, was like ten skeletons and a necromancer that I used to play Warcry because that's just tons of fun. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> was super frustrating for my opponent, but yeah, being able to just resummon skeletons back onto the board is great for uh, objective control. Sounds like it. I would agree. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so now I've got to learn it for Age of Sigmar, but yeah, well, that'll be fun. It'll be fun. Yeah, we'll nice. raise that bridge when we get to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and it is a fun callback because back when I first got into. Um, Warhammer fantasy battles I wanted to do a vampire counts army and I think that's where I got those 10 skeletons that that I still have um and I had just never managed to collect the rest of the army I had maybe a a vampire count at one point um but I don't know if I still have that model or if I've since given it away or something um but then when Age of Sigmar came out I never because they didn't have a dedicated vampire army originally, right? right? In, yeah. in the first edition, it was kind of this. All you know when 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 all the old world stuff kind of ported over and they broke it into all these weird sub factions. There wasn't a clear identity for just like a, an old school von Karstein style vampire army, and then they had legions of the gash, which again wasn't like. I'm not a big Nagash fan myself. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't really clear how you would do that style of army. And so I'd kind of gone away and gotten into other armies. Um, and so I didn't pay a ton of attention when uh, Soul Blight Grave Lords came out. Mm-hmm. And they came out, what, end of second edition? Yeah. I want to say they were the last. Yeah, because they were—they kind of said they were partially written with third edition in mind. That's right. That's right. So yeah, it's only really into third edition that we've had a, a definite like vampire kingdoms type uh, style of army, like the old yeah. vampire counts army. Um, so yeah, this will be fun. I'm excited yeah. for it. Yeah. And this is some great models since pretty much everything in that range has been redone that you have. So Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I noticed is Lukavai's uh rules, all her like abilities tend to favor monsters, and I don't yep. really have any monsters. So Yeah, she's the monster sub faction leader. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm not judging any other player, but I don't quite understand what they plan was with this army i mean <laughs> it's, sometimes it just looks pretty and that's yeah enough. no you're right you're right and i 
I completely agree with that. Like there are sometimes <laughs> I buy models just because they look cool. Yeah, and she I, definitely I think, looks cool. Yes, exactly. I think Lagovai is definitely one of those models that just looks amazing. So, yeah, yeah, she's one of those things where like they clearly took something that exists, vampires, and found a way to make it even more Warhammer. And oh yeah. Like, yeah. You could show anyone just like a vampire model and they wouldn't know what setting it's from, but they look at Lagavai and they're like, that's probably a Warhammer, right? Like, yeah. Where yeah, else the, would could that be? The Avangori are, are definitely distinctive to vampires in Age of Sigmar. Yeah. Nowhere else. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Especially after reading uh, Dynasty of Monsters. Like, oh I would definitely have picked up that. Such a good book. Oh, and man. If I'll you have haven't to check read that, Harry, yeah. Yeah. No, I haven't. Um, and it's got a super fun free city in it too. So yeah, super really? cool free city. Yeah. You kind of see like how the Avangori think, and it's one of the first times I remember there being a bard type character in AOS. Really? Yeah. yeah. And like, and a bard character that actually does bard things that are relevant to the story. Because hmm. I feel like you may see like a bard in the background or something, or like, oh, in the tavern, there's a guy playing music. But like, nah, this is like a, a named character who influences people via song. And it's wow, cool. that is cool. Sorry, now now I'm just like thinking of all the cool things that were in that book. So it's such a good book. <laughs> like, it's it's impossible to. It's just one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it is a city of Sigmar, and. Mm -hmm. That kind of brings us to one of the main things that came out this past week, which is we got a City of Sigmar. What did they like a information about the upcoming range for City of Sigmar that includes yeah. some of the units that will not be joining us. Um, yeah. And I'm going to pull it up just so I can speak. Yeah, let me pull it up too. Honestly, yeah, I've got it up already. The But the main thing is most of the city of Sigmar units are staying. People thought with the range update, everything was going to be leaving. And the things that are leaving are fairly targeted or specific. Mm -hmm. I was going to say like limited, but it's not limited if you play these sub factions. Uh, coming away from the free guild is pretty much all of it. General on foot is gone. Your crossbowmen, your handgunners, your guard, your artillery your horsey people, your demogriff people, your great swords. Yeah. We're also losing yep. the majority of the Phoenix guard. Uh, you're missing the Flamespire Phoenix, the Frostheart Phoenix, and the Phoenix guard themselves. I assume it's just a mistake in the article, but they don't talk about the anointed on foot, but like, I'm pretty sure he comes in the kit with the Phoenixes anyways. So I don't right. know how you would get it without those. So I think yeah. they're listing the boxes and not the war scrolls. Yeah, that's that's how I'm reading it. Is I, they they listed it pretty much by kit because they yeah. have they have uh, anywhere there's a dual kit, they just have the two names listed together with the one picture. Yeah, uh, and then we also lose out on the wanderers with the rangers, the eternal guard. Sisters of the Thorn, Wild Riders, Nomad Prince, and then some Shadow Blades. We're, we're missing the Shadow Warriors and Sisters of Avalorn. 
Mm-hmm. No mention of the assassin or the dark riders. So yep. maybe those might still be here. Oh, because the dark riders all dark riders are daughters of Cain, aren't they? So that's the interesting thing. It's one box that serves two purposes. Um, um, half the box, if you build them as Doomfire Warlocks, that's right, is Daughters of Cain. But if you build them with the crossbows and spears, they're Cities of Sigmar, because that's what I'm using my 20-something Illyrian Reavers as. I know we're, it's speculative, but I'm, I think it's a safe bet to guess that the Dark Riders are probably dropping out of Cities of Sigmar, that's and they're just going to keep the kit. They, they didn't list it here because... Half the kids the kids still in range. Be used. Yeah. yeah, that's my thought as well. Huh. Um, but yeah, so I've seen takes on the internet that have gone far across both sides of the spectrum of, oh, well, this is fine, actually. This isn't an issue to, well, I play exclusively Wanderers, so my army is dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I would like... I'm, I'm sure everyone has thoughts and you're listening to our thoughts and I want to hear what y- y'all guys are uh, thinking about. All right. Well, personally, I mean, I can't say I'm surprised. Um, Age of Sigmar has been out eight years as of a couple weeks ago. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and all of these kits are at least that old, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we knew from the get go Age of Sigmar is a continuation of the old world setting, but it's a place where they're going to explore new ideas, new designs. Uh, It's thousands of years later. Life's not going to look the same way that it did in the old world. Yeah. And so new kits weren't going to be just replacing, um, you know, the, this with the same aesthetic. And so we've already seen a lot of previews for what the new cities of Sigmar free guild are going to look like and they're amazing um, oh my gosh yeah, yeah the fusiliers yeah oh yeah <laughs> and yeah yeah, yeah they're, they're absolutely amazing but they're not you know poofy pants and and feather hats you know they're yeah. they're going a different direction with it and so i think you know personally am i sad that a lot of models that I have because I've got a, a fairly sizable Cities of the Sigmar collection made up mostly of Empire, uh, even the old Battlemasters Empire stuff, um, and as well as some dwarves and elves that I've collected along the way. Uh, but I'm not shocked, you know, that that they're moving away from those. I think most of them are going to be proxyable. Yeah. And most of my collection is going to find some sort of home with a new war scroll. Um, you know, I've already talked about the, the Cavaliers, I think they're called the new Knights that, yeah. um, cities of Sigmar are getting They're humans on horses, heavy armor. Those are actually a better match for all the, um, all the Knights that I have from battle masters that I want to use in my cities of Sigmar then proxying them as demigriff knights. So I'm probably going to have to rebase them back onto 60 mil because uh, they're horses. But, you know, that's not a, a really hard ask. Um, so I'll do that and we'll be off and running with them being uh, 
represented with new Cities of Sigmar War Scrolls. Now, great swords, I can use them as executioners. That's not a big deal. If somebody had Wildwood Rangers, they could do the same. In fact, I think that's mentioned in the article here. Yeah, they call that out specifically. Yeah. Um, you know, Shadow Warriors are going to be a little bit harder to proxy, I think, um, so depending on what they come out with. I've had this thought because I have a bunch of Shadow Warriors. I have a bunch of old high elf models. Yeah. Shadow Warriors have a hand weapon and a melee hand weapon and a ranged hand weapon. So do mm-hmm. Black Art Corsairs. Oh, good point. They have a hand good weapon point. and a hand crossbow. Yep. So it's going to be the same. I think the Corsairs even have like a cloak that gives them a cool thing that's not too dissimilar from the cloaks that the Shadow Warriors have, so that there's something right there. Right. Yeah. No, I like that. And I, yeah, that's a good call out. I was already using my old uh, Empire Militia as, um, as Corsairs, Black Art Corsairs, because they're all piratey. Um, and some of them have pistols and stuff, so it, they didn't really fit into any of the free guild guard that were still existing. Um, you know, we've already seen, I don't know what they're going to call them, the, the new free guild guard. Um, basically, Steel Helms. Steel Helms, that's right. You know, Steel Helms are pretty much going to be a one-to-one replacement for free guild guard. Yeah. Um, so if you've got, you know, rank upon rank of old spearmen or halberdiers or swordsmen, I'm sure you'll find a new Cities of Sigmar unit that's going to be represented uh, just fine by those models. Um, I think the hardest is actually my, my son's uh, pretty upset about this too because he's a big Wanderers fan. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's been slowly building up a Wanderers collection alongside his Sylvaneth. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he can represent those in Cities of Sigmar because um, he was going to do a Living City mm-hmm. for, his, for his Wanderers. So will he proxy them as Cities of Sigmar or will we look at maybe proxying them over as another type of elf faction? Yeah, we'll, we'll have to, to look at that a little yeah. more closely. That'll be interesting. And yeah. like they, we know because they say it in the article that there are a fair number of like new Cities of Sigmar units that they haven't shown yet. Mm-hmm. And they say that they are one for one replacements for something that's leaving. But one for one is probably just like ranged, just because like the Fusiliers with their cannons and shields are going to operate differently than hand gunners. Right. But they fit the range archetype. The main thing we're missing is we're losing a lot of our mounted skirmishers. So mm-hmm. I think seeing what they come up with, if they come up with anything, is going to be like a big one for folks. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm excited to see their new artillery because they did promise us a, an artillery piece. Mm-hmm. And losing the Hellblaster volley gun and the Hellstorm rocket battery. I mean, I only have cannons anyway, the the right. great cannons, um, which, you know, there are, there's still the legends war scrolls too. And I imagine these are going to move to legends as well. So that's another option, especially if you're playing path to glory. Yeah. Um, you know, if you want to just stick with, no, these are free guild guard. I want them to represent free guild guard, or these are great swords. I want them to represent great swords. Use the old war scroll and, 
just keep rolling along with uh, with legends in your path to glory. Um, I'm sure your opponents will be fine with it. And if they're not, then buy them a beer and maybe they'll be fine with it after that. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that kind of leads to something that I hope GW does. And if not, I may already be working on it, which is everything because take, take a step back. Old world is coming quote soon end quote, mm-hmm. which could be anywhere between now and 2030. Um, Cause we just, we have no idea, but we do have the list of armies that are coming out. Coincidentally, the armies that are coming out that they say are getting physical books and new models represent the factions are that are leaving cities of Sigmar. Yeah. Uh-huh. I kind of hope that they come out with just regiments of renown, like legend rules for these units, just so you can bring them like, Oh yeah, they're not actually like cities of Sigmar really anymore, but you can still bring them along. And if not, I'm going to do that. And that would be amazing for the wanderers, especially. Yeah. Cause like the, it's a good way cause they won't have sub faction abilities anymore, but you can just put that as their regiment special rule mm-hmm. or anything like that. But I think that would be a good opportunity because I know Games Workshop likes to keep things separate in terms of like game systems. Like the Horus Heresy and 40k divide is real and happening. Mm-hmm. Right. But it'd be but a cool way to get them. Of... Oh. Uh, sorry, I was going to say, but you see plenty of people, players use the models between the two ranges. And yeah, I think exactly. we're going to see a lot of that between Old World and Age of Sigmar. You know, on all official stuff, they'll be distinct and separate. I think in the player community, you're going to see a lot of cr- model crossover. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I own a lot of these that are going away. I'm not going to stop using them just because the picture on the war scroll is different from the mo- the model I have. Yeah. And and I'm not going to put them on square bases. No. That's just me. You can't, um, make, you can't make me. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against people who, who like square bases. I'm perfectly fine building a, a movement tray and putting my round bases in the movement tray if I want to play. See, for me, it's, I barely know the one game I play. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to learn a second one. <laughs> so everything is going on rounds, and I'm just going to make it fit in AOS. Yeah. That's fair. Um, Paul, what about you? Any any thoughts on uh, the, this range update? Uh, so I'm probably one of the few people that's like, oh, we're finally getting a human army in AOS. Right. Because it never fit to me. Right? This, Cities of Sigmar, in particular, to me, is an old world army. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, 100%. Everything else worked-ish. Right. Or we've got updates for it. But Cities yeah. of Sigmar, everything in there, it I can't divorce the models from the lore for the old world. Yeah. Mm. So I was just like, okay, I get it. I get why we're doing it. This is, a, you know, you can't just make everything new to begin with. So we're going to port over some of the old models and we're going to use them in AOS and it's fine but nothing that they've talked about in the background really makes sense with the models that were designed for the old world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Every time that you've read a black library novel, 
all the like main characters have been like, well, it's kind of this, but with this twist, because these characters don't really fit. These sculpts don't really fit. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And I'm not actually a massive cities of Sigmar like nerd when it comes to like loving the background. Like I love the lore, but it's like the models, etc. I'm, I'm used the models because I have them and they're fun. But now that we're actually getting a human range, mm-hmm. it's so much better than yes. what we had. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and my, my big point with all this is just simply, you know, whenever we get new stuff, you can proxy the old stuff. You can convert something that's been described in the background. Right. But right. When get new models. I can't come up with the designs that are as good as the new models that they make. Right. I can't kit bash an army out of nothing or out of an idea in my head. And when they come up with these, these entire armies, okay, this makes sense now. Right. And all of these new bits that I would never have thought to use or create. Right are now part of the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you want to use, right, for example, your your Wood Elves, right, in Cities of Sigmar, buy the new Fusiliers kit and put some Glade Guard behind the shields. Yep. Yeah. How, like, how awesome would that look, right? Like, and that's something mm-hmm. I never would have conceived of the old range. And that fits in to me with AOS that fits in with what we've seen. And that to me is so much more exciting than using the same models that we've had for 15 years for the same reason for the same things. Yeah. Especially because and in particular for the cities of Sigmar range, every single one of those models was designed to be on a square base next to other models on a square base to rank up. Right. And they're just not that, interesting to look at on round bases they're cool right but the reason why i did harkiron was because the dark elf corsairs never really worked for that they were too cool to fit on square bases right so when when they talked about when they were experimenting for the first time of are we going to actually make this into a skirmish game well let's put some models on round bases they did it with the corsairs yeah yeah and that was the model that went oh i get it now this is how the game makes sense i get it now right and you can tell it because you can tell by the way that it looks and that's why corsairs always fit into aos in my head yeah right Hmm. and Um, and phoenix guard never did right yeah guard never did pistoliers i can like i'm a little sad about pistoliers just because they kind of seem to work to me but the design of the actual uniforms again doesn't work right because they've got the puffy sleeves because they've got all this germanic right straight up germanic wars stuff and that just it doesn't work for aos especially when you read the lore (laughs) it's so yeah i am just happy we are finally getting a human army for aos I agree. Like the human models are the main reason I have not collected a human army up until this point. Yeah. Hmm. I have collected an army with 
using those rules. Mm -hmm. um, I think I may have shown you these at one point, like a year or so ago, Paul. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned putting what else behind those shields. Yeah. Normally, you give me guff because I come up with an idea that you will eventually have to make a model of. <laughs> yes. But here, you nice. came up with an idea for a model I've already made, which <laughs> is I've taken like those eternal guard mm -hmm. with the shields and how sometimes they rest the spear on the shields. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm a lazy person, so I used um, Skatari with the long rifle arms yep. and just had them resting those rifles on the shields. Nice. Uh, to make elven handgunners. So I already yeah. have what elves with a gun, oh, with wow. a shield. I, I mean, there's only 10 of them right now. Sounds like you already have fusiliers. I'm, I'm ahead of the game, baby. Because <laughs> <laughs> here I am trying to think of how I'm going to get like Pavi shields for all my handgunners. Right. I mean, it's not going to be the biggest hobby challenge I've ever faced, but yeah. it's still, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and like my my thoughts with the whole thing is very in line with what you had said, Paul. Like before, I fully jumped into the hobby. I was listening to other podcasts, and I remember the Rolling Bad podcast when the Cities of Sigmar book came out. They were yeah. like, "Oh, they got rid of all these models, and it's sad that these models didn't make it into the book." But what's going to really suck is three to four years from now when the next book comes out and more models are gone. Like they called it. Yeah, they knew it was going to happen because. And I've, I don't know, I didn't, I wasn't as com like in the community. So I didn't talk to as many people. That was yeah. my main source. I just assumed everyone knew this was going to happen. Well, it, <laughs> so when it, it happened, is, I was like, okay, yeah, cool. And then I saw all the reactions. And I'm like, oh no. But that is the thing is there's never been any question that this was going to happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And we talked about this a bit on the last episode, right? Where like, your models aren't invalid, right? No. It, yeah. You still, if you have a giant collection of old empire models that you put on round bases yeah. and you I, just I, love I them, like yeah. you, you can play with them. Yeah. They still, they still literally work. Like you take them and put them on the table and move them around with a ruler or whippy stick or whatever. Yeah. Like it still works. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the main things I, agree like people feeling bad about or if they have models that they can't just automatically do a one-to-one -one transfer like mounted skirmishers if we don't get new ones that will yeah suck. but the the thing i am worried about more than models is the cities of sigmar were built off of just a bunch of random sub factions uh -huh. mm -hmm. mm -hmm. order draconis order serpentis swift hawk agents the phoenix like all that stuff and they have been a part of the realms and a part of stories even if they don't have models i hope they still are a part of the lore of the cities like swift hawk agents they still come up in stories even though they haven't been a part of the game for years yeah and i just hope that still kind of happens like we still hear about wanderers and maybe we still hear about the Shadow Blades subfaction. Like that to me is the thing I care about more. And that might just be the story phase corrupting me about just the lore. <laughs> but yeah. like I don't want the history of the Cities of Sigmar to like go away just oh, because I, new models. Yeah, I don't see that happening at all, Will. Yeah. I, I think that you know, like the the Prince Mason novel or 
which was, I think, originally some white dwarf uh, short stories and then got combined into a, a cohesive tale. Like, that tells a great story of a wanderer. Yeah. And it's he is definitively a wanderer. Um, you know, you've got a wanderer model in Curse City. Um, I, I think that as a faction, it's still going to be part of the story. Um, I joked with my son that, the wanderers just wandered off. That's why they're not <laughs> part of the, the new cities of Sigmar. Um, but I, but I think they're they're gonna be there, and maybe this will give them the opportunity to down the road. Again, this is just speculation, but right. maybe we see completely reimagined wanderers come back in as part of the Sylvaneth yep. or somewhere else. You know, they're there's unlimited possibilities on what they could do with the concept yeah. while still phasing out these older models. Um, it, it, sort of dark humor side of me kind of hope that we get the book and the dispossessed aren't there and everyone's like, Oh, what? <laughs> and then we get our, our Duarden ale clans. Um, <laughs> because <laughs> If you listen to the discussion we had over the Grombrindle book, mm-hmm. a unified Dwarden faction would be amazing. And um, yeah. I, I feel the dispossessed don't belong in Cities of Sigmar. They belong with the other Dwarden. Uh, my thing is the most recent White Dwarf touches on something of why I think that won't happen. Yeah, And it's great. If you've had a chance to read it, it is the... it's in narrative writings of a scholar talking about divinity in Age of Sigmar. Hmm. He's like, oh yeah, you've got uh, what we call the elemental gods, like Guacamorca, who doesn't need a body. He just makes a body when he feels like he needs one, um, all this stuff. But then you've got gods like Kragnos, who we know was made into a god from mortality. But then that means Sigma, that means, and he just, they, there's a note of like, they had to drag him away to prison for these blasphemous <laughs> thoughts of exactly what happened with the gods. Yeah, and in nice. the KO book, the KO realized the same thing about uh, Grungmane. Yeah. They were like, wait, if Kragnos was just some guy who became a god, does that mean Grungni is just some big guy? Uh, so I'm kind of thinking like that will be like the wedge they use to keep dispossessed away from the KO because their KO just go, no, we don't like Grangney enough to team up with you guys. He's just um, some big Dwarden and we're not just going to follow him because he says so. It depends on which, which faction of the KO because a oh, for string, sure. right? Like they'd be all in, but no, they're all for it. You know, like, yeah. So I, I, I don't know. Like, to me, I can't talk quite that far in the future, right? Right. Um, but, again, if you look at the models for the the Dispossessed, most of them were designed for rank and file. Oh, yeah. Right. 100%. And I, I want to see models. Like, I want to see new ideas. Again, yeah. because we already have those models. If you want to buy the models, go buy the models. Who cares if they have rules? If they don't have rules, convert them into what you think is fun, right? Just have some fun with it. But again, I can't imagine what they're going to come up with to move forward with all these different ranges. Right. And that's what's exciting to me is these completely new design elements. Because 
the thing that they've gotten really good at with AOS that they had not done quite completely in the old world, in my opinion, is they've figured out what the design language of Age of Sigmar is. And even though we have all these different factions, right? They share some design elements. They share some little details. They share a common scale. I know that some of the models are bigger, um, but like it, it works in my in my head. And when I see the models on the tabletop, right? AOS models work together. Old world models, they don't always work, right? And and right. I, I like because it is a tabletop miniatures game. I want it to look correct on the tabletop. Right. And to kind of go back to my earlier point, I never thought that the free guild miniatures looked correct on the tabletop. They looked yeah, ported over from the old world. They, they, they look, I think they look great for the old world and they're exactly what the old world should have had and did have. Right. But who in their right mind is going to have a army where one in 10 guys aren't wearing shoes in Gur, right? You're going <laughs> to die. Same thing in Shaman, right? How many oh rusted, like how much tetanus are you, like it works in the old world, right? Because it's kind of gritty, dirty, right? It just doesn't work in AOS. Yeah. And so that's why I'm super excited to see what they do going forward. I'm excited. So, I'm excited what else to is see... in the range? <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, because my math was off. I thought there was only going to be like five more War Scrolls because currently in the app, there is, what, 63 Cities of Sigmar War Scrolls? Um, and they we know, because they kind of told us in a preview, there's going to be 54 in the new cities. Mm-hmm. And based on how many we're losing, it's a, like 10 or more. Like we're still gaining more models based on like the math. And mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what those are, especially if they're going to be twists on archetypes. Like I want to see their heavy infantry because there's like a great axe bit that we haven't seen yet. I want to see light skirmishers. I want to see just like the cool things that they are able to come up with to fill those gaps with this new design. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we're not losing the Griffin. Nope. But look at the new Griffin we got. Oh my gosh, the manticore. Oh yeah. (laughs) That's incredible. Yeah. Like give me more of that. Yeah. Give me more of look at what we can do now, twenty years later. Please. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean it's a completely different faction, but to the that concept of like creating just like blow your mind models that scream, this is the mortal realms. It's not anybody else's fantasy setting. It's the Mortal Realms. Mm-hmm. Look yeah. at the Cruel Boys range, right? Yeah. Like everything that came out for the Cruel Boys, and they continue to come out with new Cruel Boys models. Um, it It's not the orcs of the old world. It's not anything that we've ever seen before. It's this completely new aesthetic of what green skins can be. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if that design energy is going into the Cities of Sigmar range, then I, I'm... I'm right with you, Paul. Like, yeah. give me more of the new stuff. Please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Make it look cool. Make it look amazing. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I am incredibly excited um, for all of that. Yeah. Um, the only thing is, the only thing I will say is, I'm still waiting for that Anvil of Apotheosis, but for units. 
Yes. Right? Yeah. That's all yeah. we need. We need that. And then once we have that, it doesn't matter what models get dropped. We can just remake the rules for it again. Right. And great. Mm -hmm. Move forward. Right. That's Done. the only thing I'm missing. <laughs> and I think for narrative play, that that's probably the cleanest solution that yep. they could have. You know, and it, I'm not going to say it would ever shut down the whiners because, like, nothing will. What's a hobby without <laughs> people yeah. complaining on the internet? Um, but, you know, it at least gives a, an easy direction to point. It's like, oh, you, you want to play that unit still? Then go build a War Scroll for it. Yeah, go do it up. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, one way, if you wanted to, using existing rules to do that is take the existing War Scrolls and then take the second edition. I think it was the second edition Regiments of Renown was you could add bonuses to your units. Yep. And that would make them a Regiment of Renown is they just got a cool little bonus. I'm mm -hmm. pretty sure there are bonuses in there that can turn your free guild steel helm, which is just a man with uh, a hand weapon and a shield, and then turn that into your beautiful uh, wanderer uh, eternal guard, which is an elf with a spear and a sheet. Like mm -hmm. it's probably already there framework wise to, to do those sort of changes. Yeah. And I mean, age of Sigmar honestly hasn't changed at its core from addition to addition. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of the old war scrolls really, really work. Yeah. Um, you know, they never came out with Legends War Scrolls for the um, for the Silver Tower models. Mm -hmm. They just had the, the the War Scrolls for was that second or first edition? I think it was when, first. Yeah, so there's there's several models there that they didn't come out like the um, the Death Runner, mm -hmm. Death Leaper, yeah, yeah, the de the Death Runner, and then they got scuttled the. Scuttlers, yeah, um, but there are there are still war scrolls out there that you can use. They just don't have as much of the fancy abilities that you get with the newer ones, and maybe yeah. not all the keywords. But there are still stats out there for them, mm -hmm. and they work. Well, I mean, real simple, right? Tell you what, there are two Warhammer Age of Sigmar apps. There are. And you know what? If you download the older one, it's got all those War Scrolls in anyway. Yep. <laughs> yeah, okay. I get that you don't have the new fun things for the models that are 20 years old. Mm -hmm. Just go download that app, right? That I have on yeah. my phone still because I use it. I'm like, oh, I want to use this model. It's got cool rules. Okay, sounds good. We'll use that, right? You, you know what I just realized? Well, on there. What? Yeah, yeah, that's what you just mentioned, Will. There are the old Bretonian War Scrolls. Yep, yes. they're all there. But but if you have Bretonian Militia and Bretonian Knights, guess what? You have free guild cavaliers and you have steel helms. Yep. Just I don't understand. Yeah, I know like um, second name drop of Tomb King Tristan. He's making a battle tome for the like Tomb King army, but I'm pretty sure he's still just using the same war scrolls i think he's like updating the points and everything but the war scrolls are there don't need to rework the the wheel even if nope. the wheel has been claimed as outdated and no longer downloadable on the new app yep um yeah i think we've beaten 
that dead horse. Um, <laughs> sorry again. Um, oh, that the, reminds the me of the whole conversation we had that we <laughs> didn't record about the horseless head that floated through yeah. the Citizen Cigar. Oops. Oh, yeah. Man. yeah, we'll just leave this out there for the listeners, and you can imagine what the rest of the story was. But it was a great story. We, we, nomadic, we a whole new Cities of Sigmar. Right, a, yeah. a, no, a nomadic, either reclaimed city or unclaimed city that's rebelling against the Osiarch Bone Reapers, and so they just travel around Shaiish in giant caravans. <laughs> yep, and the reason you can't hear the full story is why the story phase always puts big press record button and block letters <laughs> at the top of the meeting agenda. Yeah. Uh, it's also my speaking fault. Speaking of not things that are dead. But yeah, moving yeah, speaking on. Speaking of dead things, uh, <laughs> moving into our path to glory reviews. Uh, we've got two, we've got one battle tome review and then a non battle tome review, because Ooh. even though Paul and I have, on our preview episode for the Dawnbringers Harbingers. Uh, we've spent a little bit more time with it and would like to talk a bit about it with Harry as well. But before we yeah. get into that, the battle film we're going to review is going to tie into Harry's brand new unplanned army. I'm excited because I don't have the, the battle tome to look at. Yeah. So. It is the Soul Blight Grave Lords. Um, and they have a very interesting mechanic, like. I've noticed this a lot with some of the newer battle tomes where they just come up with a whole new way of engaging with the game. So the first thing you need to know about the Soul Blight is that they will Soul Blight territories. They call them Soul Blighted territories, but you can mm. influence them. So there are special faction-specific territories or just extra upgraded versions of like the generic ones and you can actually go through and influence them and propagate a curse to make them even better for you okay interesting so the way you do that is there is a quest called propagate the curse just have a hero who is alive at the end of the battle for each hero you get you get a quest point you get six quest points you can pick one of your territories to influence. And is it any hero or does it have to be a soul blight? Like if I have a ne necromancer still alive. Yeah, it's just any soul blight gravelord's hero does not okay. need to be a vampire. Cool. So it can be a white king uh, if you have any of those. Oh, yeah, not yet, but I will. <laughs> I just got a brand new army. What's the first thing I need to do? Buy more models. Buy more, more, more models. Of, of course. <laughs> it will give you a battle plan you have to play through. Um, called an object lesson, which I'm going to get into in a minute. Super fun battle plan. But that allows you to take a territory and upgrade it. Uh, an example of those, normally we do territories at the end, but because the mechanic ties into territories, I'm just going to pull one up right now, which is an outpost of undeath, which will replace the ancient roads, which normally gives you one ally or if you upgraded three allies. But it's but not an actual outpost. Right. It's not an actual bold-lettered outpost. Right. Uh, sometimes the keywords get used too many times. <laughs> uh, but what an outpost of undeath does is it allows you to pick an allied faction. You can add up to three allied units from that faction to your roster, even if this would exceed your allied unit's limit. So you can just grab a like you, you get this outpost you don't need to spend the glory or do any of that you just get three 
cool allies, which I think for Soul Blight are Night Haunt and Flesh Eater Quartz. Okay. So that's a cool thing you are able to do. The downside is if you lose that battle plan, they may actually undermine your influence and it can revert back. <laughs> so something, an interesting thing, because normally this isn't a thing for Path to Glory. Your opponent can like actually take a hold of your aftermath sequence other than just killing your units and making you spend glory that way. They can start taking territories away from you and downgrading them, which is... Mm an interesting mechanic to have. I know that's one thing that some people have tried with their Path to Glory campaigns is the ability to actually fight over territories that are, are discovered. Yeah. Um, but it's not an actual part of the core Path to Glory rules, right? Yep. No, it's not a, a core thing. So it's like some battle tomes will allow you to, to influence it this way. I don't think it's intended as like a balancing mechanic of like, well, we gave the vampire something too powerful, so we need to give their opponents a way to deal with it. I think it is just they think it's cool to undermine vampires, so they threw that rule in there. <laughs> like, well, of course everyone's going to overthrow the vampires. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, who doesn't want to yeah. undermine vampires? Come on. Yeah, I, I'm i going to guess that living under the rule of a, a soul blight lord is just not... It's not the happiest kingdom to live in. Yeah, You don't want to be cattle? You don't want to be treated like <laughs> right. cattle? I mean, come on. Um, Isn't there a Black Talon episode about this? Yes, there is. Um, their other cool mechanic is a typical one for undead armies, which is summonable units. Uh, if a unit has the summonable keyword, so all of those brand new zombies and skeletons that you have, uh, they don't have to go in your order of battle. You can just bring some when you uh, pick your army. You can bring three for every Mortark you have, two for every vampire hero, and one for every other hero. So oh, wow. with your Lakavai, you can bring three summonable units without having to put them on your order of battle, but you still have to pay the points cost to play the game with them. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. But so if they're not on your order of battle, that means they also don't gain renown. They don't, don't take injury rolls. Don't take injury rolls. Don't get veteran abilities. Don't get veteran is, abilities, right. If only there was which, a way they could do that. Speaking of, there's a cool quest they have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, they have a quest called Mass Graves, which is uh, you score it if you get a major victory and your general was not slain. Next battle you play, Death Rattle Skeletons and Dead Walkers Zombies all gain one veteran ability that can be used for that game. All of them? Yeah. They're all they all become veterans for that game. Whoa. Yeah. No wonder they had a mechanic to like hurt the vampires. That's that's gotta be some balancing there. <laughs> right, exactly. And so the veteran abilities for I'll do the death rattle, the cool new skeletons, is uh, you can use it once per battle when the death rattle unit is picked to fight in the combat phase. When it does, unit is eligible to fight if it is within six inches of an enemy instead of three and can move an extra three inches when it piles in. So you just suddenly have like your swarms of skeletons that just rush in to tear people apart. Wow. Fast skeletons like Jason and the Argonauts. Exactly. The, they're, they also move in claymation. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, it was 
really funny because when I was first reading through this battle tome, I was skimming things because like, oh, I'll read the first two quests and then I'll read a few veterans. Like I didn't read everything at once. Mm -hmm. So then I saw that skeletons and zombies had veteran abilities, but they're summonable. How is this a typo? Like trying to figure out (laughs) how the heck they could actually gain renown. And then I found that quest. So are they not allowed to be taken on your order of battle at all? Correct. Oh, you, you can't even say like, oh, they're not the summonable ones. Like these ones are going to start and I'll summon more. Like not at all. What about Grave Garden? Are they summonable? They are summonable. Hmm. And here's where things get dumb. And last <laughs> I checked, they haven't facted yet. A White King is technically summonable. Right. But later on, you can give your White King a heroic upgrade. So it means he has to be able to gain renown. Yeah, I think that's one that you just hash out with your with your opponents yeah. um, when you're playing Path to Glory because you would think that a White King would be a little more persistent. I have a feeling they just didn't mention non-hero soundable yeah. units. Yeah, I, I think it's just like a an easy mistake, but something to keep note of if you're playing through this. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Let your opponent know, like, hey, technically this, but come on, man. Uh, and that's kind of it. Like their their main thing is really raising the dead, and they have quests that give you like more ways to do that. Like the, okay. the mass graves one is you can just summon more summon yeah. in the next game, and then it's your the the territory mechanic, and you right. go through that. Uh, they do have a cool name generator on here. Oh, that's uh, cool. So first name, last name. They even have like dynasty quirks. Um, so one is a powerful white king holds dominion over the local region. Your dynasty is careful not to earn their ire. Hmm. Now you just suddenly have these internal politics you need to deal with, with your army and how they're going to deal with that. The thing I really love about the soul blight book though, is that special battle plan. Like everyone has their cool special battle plan that really highlights the cool thing about their armies and all that cool stuff. Yep. This is a bit different, and it's why I think the mechanic of undermining the vampires is just cool narrative, because this is a heroic last stand battle plan. Hmm. But the vampire player is the endless swarm that's attacking the heroes. <laughs> so it's like, oh, okay. it's one of the only battle plans that I know of where the player who's playing the army for it are the bad guys, essentially. Because mm-hmm. nice. they, they literally just have endless amounts of undead that they can deal with while the heroes and the defenders need to survive, but they gain basically war cry abilities. Like they roll the six dice and doubles and triples and quads. They can do cool things that just remove some of the undead units. And if they are able to survive the game, uh, they like they win. Wow. Uh, they need to have more than half of their army like left standing to get a major victory. If they have less than half, the, the vampires get a major victory. So it's very easy for the vampires to win this one so they can get their cool veteran abilities. I just like that idea of like, oh, yeah, the lore for this army is that they are the Grave Lords and they rule over mortals and they drink their blood and they kill them. So the battle yep. plan is they are the bad guys attacking this town and slaughtering everyone who lives in it. Like that's mm-hmm. your hero moment is 
slaughtering defenders. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, else would they do? I, I just, I love it. When not every faction is trying to portray themselves as the good guys, but they just go all in on, you know, we're kind of bad, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no question moment. There's no, are we the baddies here? It's, like we are the baddies. Like, yes, yeah. of course we're the baddies. Like, like, what did you think? Um, yeah, because they wrote like review articles for this and OCR at the same time on oh, yeah, mortalrealms.com. Uh, <laughs> and it's under Kindling the Flame. And the OCR battle plan is they're the defenders, but they're defending their bone type nexus. So all the mortals are like, stop taking our bones. <laughs> and you have to push them away. Like, no, we're getting your bones. Wait in line. We'll get to your bones eventually. Right. Oh, what what book was it? It was it's one of the it's one of the Lumineth books that their their villain scenes are all cutaways to the um, the Osiarch Bone Reapers. Uh, End of Enlightenment. That's what it is. End of Enlightenment, and I I just love that um, you know when the the Osiarch go out to that that one village, and they're like, you have to pay the tithe. It's nine times what is it? Nine times nine Medemnus. <laughs> and the, and the villagers are like, "What's a madamness?" <laughs> <laughs> They'll never figure it out in time. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, classics. Yeah, so that is the the Soulblight Grave Lords. They they do one thing, which is lord over mortals and bring back undead, and they do it pretty well. Oh, man, that's so cool. Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. It would be cool if they also had a mechanic to have human thrall uh, units like the old uh, Von Karstein. Right. Um, but, well, because yeah. the disciples of Zinch have a rule where they can bring in corrupted cities of Sigmar units. Oh, really? In Path to Glory. Not in normal AOS, just Path yeah. to Glory. Yeah. So I feel like 100% with you there that the vampire should have that too. Yeah. Yeah. That would be so fun. Especially with Ulf and Karn out there. Yep. Yep. And then the next part of our mini review is going to be the Dawnbringers Harbingers book. Um, if you want to get like the full in-depth, me and Paul going ham, talking about the rules and breaking everything down, listen to the episode we recorded about it. Um, but now we're just going to talk about some of the other cool things we thought of, specifically in like how to use this in like existing campaigns you have going on, or if you plan on starting a league using the new book and the the new rules. Yeah, before we get into like the more details with the book, um, Harry, what do you know about the new Dawnbringers Harbingers book, specifically the Path to Glory rules? Nothing. I'll be (laughs) honest, I have not even had a chance or taken a chance to... um, to listen to your, I'm sure, great review, both on the story phase of the story behind uh, the new book or on this podcast um, where you guys go over the Path to Glory rules. So my knowledge base for Harbingers is still the uh, Warhammer community article and the little reaction that we did uh, when they announced it all. Yeah. Perfect. So we're going to explain a few things, specifically how to use these in like existing campaigns and in leagues. Like you mentioned, if you want an in-depth, detailed review, mm-hmm. pop on over to our previous episode. 
Exactly. We so, had a lot of fun recording that episode. A lot so. of fun. It we might great. have a little bit more energy than we have right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I did drink coffee. Oh, nice. Um, and it, I feel it kicking in. So uh, out the gate, uh, Harry, this is a new Path to Glory battle pack. We don't get too many of these. Unlike, no, we don't. Like, match play battle packs. And it comes with my favorite paragraph that's in every Path to Glory battle pack, which is you can use this instead of or alongside any other existing Path to Glory battle packs. Mm-hmm. So they gate the one, you always can do whatever you want with the rules. Rules are made up. They're a social construct. Two, and the points don't matter. Wait, the no, points the points matter. do matter. But the, yeah. You can switch the rules up. You can switch the rules up. Two, they're giving you permission of, if you like this one thing in this battle pack, but want to put it in Thondia, go ahead and do it. Who cares? Yep. You have permission from Games Workshop, so do it. So, for reference, the only other battle pack that I'm aware of is the Thondia one. Was there another one that I missed? Just the core rulebook one. Oh, okay. Okay. So, this can replace the core rulebook one, or you can do it alongside the core rulebook one, specifically saying, like, I want to use the realm rules of this with the battle plans of the core rulebook. Okay. That That's one way you can combine that, uh, so to speak. Speaking of the core rule book, and speaking of the Path of Glory rules, and being able to look at them, yeah, uh, you don't need the core rule book anymore to look at the Path of Glory rules because GW put them on the site to download for free. Oh wow! Yeah, I think I missed that. Yeah, yeah, it came with the preview for this book. There was like also download the rules, whatever. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was always hoping that they would come out with like a general's handbook, like. Just little Path to Glory binder. I mean, they kind of did in Harbinger. <laughs> yeah. But they also gave you the, the basic rules for how to run uh, Path to Glory, period. Okay. To download as well. So, yeah. Very cool. Which is funny because, like, the core rules are free. And now the Path to Glory narrative rules are free. But the match play rules are not free. Sorry. No. Well, That's because they change so often. And that's always a cool thing because I actually had someone uh, reach out over Discord, uh, Mayori, M-Y-O-A-R-I, uh, a buddy of mine who I played Animosity with uh, for the past three years now, asking about, hey, how do I, you know, someone reached out to do a Harbinger's can- like league, how do I do it? Also, are the rules for free because I only have the General's Handbook. The core rules for Path to Glare are now free. Mm-hmm. Boom. So now, like anyone can do Path of Glory leagues with the new book. You only need to buy the new book instead of the new book and the core rule book. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was by design. Mm-hmm. Conspiracy theory. They didn't want to put out a Path of Glory focused exclusive book and then people not get it because they need to buy a second book to play with it. Yes. Yeah. But that out of the way. So you've got your special realm rules, which mm-hmm. is there's a plague going on so you roll a die to see what's going on plague wise that ties into the the narrative of the book yep and all the harbingers too so yes uh that is the the main thing in the harbingers book is they have a new character type called a harbinger Mm -hmm. the four harbingers are from the four regiments of renown that kind of tie into the story 
but you don't need to get the named version. You can get a generic one, and it's for your entire Grand Alliance. Speaking of keywords, you can get the Harbinger keyword, but it's not a Harbinger keyword. And it's particularly important when we're talking about the Harbinger of Disease, which is not the keyword Harbinger of Disease, but he's a different one. So the words get a little uh, confusing here because they're using the same term. But of course, the model that was metal that GW made for the the Nurgle guy on the horse was the Harbinger Mm -hmm. of Decay. Of Decay, yeah. yeah. And now there's another Harbinger of Decay, but it's in plastic. But then you can also add the Harbinger core keyword to the Harbinger of Decay. Either the one in plastic or the one in metal. You can do either of them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And that's confusing. So the way it breaks down <laughs> easily is if you are a Chaos Army, I'm going to say Slaves of Darkness. Slaves mm. of Darkness. Um, you can send a hero on a quest to recruit uh, your new Harbinger. They go on that quest. When they complete it, you can add the Harbinger of Decay special Harbinger version Mm -hmm. to your army, and they count as a Harbinger. Alternatively, if you are playing as Nurgle and you just want a normal Harbinger of Decay but don't want to go on the special quest, go ahead. They just don't get the special Harbinger keyword. But turns out it's actually really cool to have the special Harbinger keyword. Yeah. That's actually one of the coolest things about this book is that you can turn one of your characters into a superhero, basically, uh, using this Harbinger keyword. So, Will, yeah. do you want to talk about this? Because it's super fun. Yeah, tell me more. Yeah, so basically, one of the main things the new Harbingers do is they level up as they gain renown. They have made mm-hmm. gaining renown an actual important thing for your heroes beyond just getting their one uh, command trait. Um, so zero to 10, you don't get anything cause you're just a normie 11 to 15. You get a choice between two veteran abilities. So sticking with our harbinger of decay example, you can either add two inches to your move characteristic or add one to your wounds. And then you can level up again to either get like more bravery or make enemy units slower. And you can just make these choices as this person gains renown. So, so Harry, you've played it Havoc, right? Yeah. Doesn't sure this have. sound a little bit like something that happened at Havoc? It sounds a lot like something <laughs> yeah. that happened at Havoc. So basically what it is, is that you, this rule allows your Harbinger to get the Havoc of war, the Warlord of Havoc rules. And they're printed in the book and each faction each uh, Grand Alliance has a Harbinger, and then they each have their own set of special abilities that they get to do. That's cool. Yeah. It can be a lot of fun in a, in a narrative group. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun. Uh, one thing I'm excited to do, last episode in the episode where we talked about it, I've been talking about the Marrow Scroll Herald and doing Flesh Eater Courts, and I realized I don't need to do Flesh Eater Courts to get all those cool things. No. I can do the OCR Bone Reapers I talked about few episodes ago i've talked about a lot of armies i'm realizing um <laughs> but i can play my Osaric bone reapers recruit the marrow scroll herald as a harbinger and mm-hmm. then bring the regiment of renown to bring all those units in mm. 
but Osiarch and Flesh Eater Courts aren't allies, but they can be with the Regiment of Renown and with the Harbinger. Right, right. Um, so that's a, a super cool thing where you can make these alliances and take units you wouldn't be, normally be able to take in, say, match play. Yeah. I mean, I definitely want to get the new Harbinger of Decay model just because oh it's amazing. Yeah. But I do have the metal one. So I'm thinking my Slaves to Darkness may already be able to get uh, on, going out on this quest to, to bring the uh, Harbinger of Decay Ooh. alongside their force. Yeah, go for it. Um, yeah. And one thing I was thinking about when um, my buddy asked me, like, oh, how do you run a league like this is we've already talked about, like, different ways you can do Path to Glory leagues and you can do any of those options. But one cool thing you could do to tack on to that is if these Harbingers are gaining renown and that's how they level up, you could, at the end of whatever time period you say this league lasts, let's go with eight weeks, whoever's got the beefiest, most well-renowned Harbinger can get like a little uh, award or something. Instead of saying yeah. best general, best Harbinger, instead mm -hmm. of like best army or anything, like that could be something that you you go for because honestly other than that there is no real other level up structure that this book brings because path to glory already has those things it's, built into it exactly its own level up structure and its own uh, veteran abilities and everything so yeah the other cool thing harbingers allow you to do is you can get a brand new outpost mm -hmm. so we now have two outpost that exists even two though, real outposts two real yeah. outposts even though technically in the rules you're allowed to take up to three mm -hmm. we'll get there, we'll get there. eventually <laughs> maybe <laughs> with the next book but each outpost has to be in a specific territory right yes yeah so you're allowed to take three territories that have outposts in them so you could take three fondia uh, territories if you really wanted to yeah but you don't and, the bonuses don't stack i remember that pretty specifically but if i remember correctly there is a faction where you you can destroy or despoil somebody's territory right isn't it the orcs can't the orcs actually like destroy somebody else's territory oh yeah 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 i don't know that it's actually another player's territory they can get despoiled territories but we've hmm. i think it's something similar to like what you can do with the soul blade because right. I know in the Thandia book, you can downgrade territories. A mountain mm -hmm. can fall on it and they're no longer upgraded. So okay. Be, and so it might be like the despoiled territory still takes up a territory slot and therefore still has an outpost on it. The territory mm -hmm. itself just mm -hmm. sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think might be. But that one sank. But the third one, that one stand. Couldn't resist the money Python quote. Yeah, so what uh, this new outpost is, it's a communication outpost. It's not just an outpost that exists for the Dawnbringer Crusade. It's an mm -hmm. outpost for calling allied support. Um, so you can do certain things to get, like, points. You roll a die and, like, one to two, nothing happens. Three, four, and five, you can get um, an alliance point by trading something, either glory or having a hero do something. And on a six, you just get the alliance point. And the cool thing this does is it allows you to call what is essentially off-screen support from any faction in your Grand Alliance. Sir, not appearing in this film. 
the perfect example of it being off screen to me is if you are a destruction army and you manage to request support, you have to roll a die on a four up. It, it goes off, goes off on a two up if you are allied to that faction. So like OCR have no allies. So for them, it's always a four up, but so blight, it's a two up for them to call support for flesh eater court. Okay. But if you're a destruction army and you call support for the sons of Bayamot, they will throw boulders. So after deployment, but before the first battle round begins, pick one terrain feature that is not faction terrain and roll a die. On a three up, you remove that from the battlefield and each enemy unit within one inch suffers D3 mortal wounds. Mm-hmm. So you're literally just calling an off-screen bombardment to destroy some territory or some terrain that your enemy is fortifying and just take it off the board. <laughs> yeah, so it, again, this is another super cool... I like to refer to them as levers, right? That the design yeah. team has pulled. Where When I first read it, I was like, oh, okay, if I'm this faction, I get to do this thing. All right, that sounds interesting. I'm not sure why they listed all of them out. And then Will explained to me, is like, no, no, you can ask for any of these things to happen with your faction. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that's a lot of different special abilities that you can customize yeah. to your game. So, yep. That's awesome. Um, yep. If you're running like a league or something, the cool thing you should do is name the faction that's helping you out if someone has that. So like, oh, yeah, when I'm calling support of, from the Lumineth, I'm calling Kyle's Lumineth to help me out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a cool way to like start tying some narratives together. Another cool thing to do is for narrative events that have like NPC factions, you should make up some abilities. For yeah. example, Animosity Campaign is currently going on and will probably be over by the time this episode comes out. Uh, I made one of these abilities for the Orinar faction that my character Cyber comes from, and then another one for the coalition he's currently allied with. So that's just like a way for him to represent his alliances and his allies on the battlefield. It, it's cool. And it's a lot of like, there's just a lot of fun ideas. So yeah, it's a lot of wacky stuff. I like the, the Caradron that can fly someone into the battle. Yep, that's my favorite. Um, basically, <laughs> it's just like a, it's a deep strike for a unit whose wounds characteristic is three or less, but narratively, it's a bunch of people hanging off the side of a Caradron ship flying in to start fighting people. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And it would be really fun if, say, you had somebody in the group had an extra Caradron ship that you could just borrow for your game to have fly over. And- yeah, exactly. You just like put it down, put the units down, and fly it away. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Perfect. I mean, that's really the bird's eye view of the majority of the, the things that come with this. Uh, the other stuff is there are just a bunch of brand new battle plans that are very, very narrative. They took it to 11. They went to the next ring up narratively of what you can do with battle plans. My personal favorite is Battle for the Pass. Just like all of the old Warhammer fantasy battle, like named battles that happened at different passes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's literally just a scrum. You have people starting a one net on each end of the board, but you block off a section of the board and you just run at each other and it's king of the hill who can control the center objective. Oh, nice. 
but being able to combine that with all the cool different abilities with your new like supercharged harbingers who are more powerful than they would normally be calling in that allied support like you're telling a a cool narrative battle even though it, it really is just run at each other and hit things now will are there any new veteran abilities for your units there are not no that's the uh the interesting thing they the veteran abilities are only for the harbingers okay. so you can still use the veteran abilities from the the core narrative rules Right, because weren't there some in Thandia, or am I there were? Nope. Okay. I was just going to say, if you have a Thandia outpost, you can show your units being veterans of the Thandia battles. Right. So that's one of the cool things that, like, not every outpost does the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. That outpost is specific to, oh, I was at this place and I did this stuff, and so I have cool narratives for that area. This is an outpost for someone who is building more connections with other factions. Mm. And so I like that it's, it's two very different ideas and outposts aren't just, well, I was in Gur, So here's my Gur outpost and here's my Akshi outpost. And right. that's literally, it's just one for every realm and that's it. Like we're getting new concepts with right. that are super they, cool. They can fill completely different roles. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's great. I do think we should still get outposts for every realm. <laughs> still have those, please. I, I still want them. Give them to us. But yeah, please explore that design space as well. Yeah, I'm hoping the next Dawnbringers book will have the action and the Kyranian outposts once the Crusades actually launch. Yeah, that'd be super awesome. Yeah, with those battle plans, that does kind of cover again very high level. Uh, everything that's in this book for Path to Glory. So it's definitely something cool that folks should start using because it's just an outpost and it's just something you can add in as you gain a new territory. You don't need to restart your Path to Glory campaign to integrate the new book. Right. That's what I was going to ask, Will. Like if you say you and your friends are already rolling along with Path to Glory campaigns, your armies gained rena- or have been gaining experience, your your units have veteran abilities, your heroes have gained renown you've got this whole story you don't have to reset the clock to integrate the harbinger's story the dawnbringer uh book into your current path to glory right you could just bring it in and tack it on top yep bring it in Mm -hmm. tack it on top it could narratively be that your army has been around for a while and now a dawnbringer crusade has moved into the area and you can just add on to your story that way Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. No, I think that's one of the the things people should definitely take note of, especially if you're doing like leagues and playing with groups of you don't have to hard reset if you're already doing Path to Glory and go, well, well we're going to end this in two weeks because we got the new book coming out and we want to reset with that. It's not the general's handbook. You don't need to reset and learn something completely new. You can play games where one person has the Harbinger's book and the other person doesn't. You may politely ask them, like, hey, if your Harbinger hero is, like, supercharged, maybe don't bring him this time just to be safe. Right. I mean, that's the conversation you have with your opponent, which you should always be having a conversation with your opponent about right, where your right. levels are. So, yeah. so it's kind of like if you had a D&D campaign going on and a new, uh, you know, 
adventure supplement comes out, you can just tack it into your current story that's going on. You don't have to reset yeah. the group and and yeah. have everybody. Get and if new. a new person came in and they're like, "Hey, I've got this new character that uses the new rules," the DM can go, "Oh, yeah, cool, join us. We're not going to reset. You just come sit at the table. You can use your cool things. We're still going to use the old things." Yep. Okay. Easy awesome. Easy. Yeah. Um, any thoughts from you, Paul, about how to like use this book for new campaigns, old campaigns, any anything like that? I just think like this would be a super basis for attempting to do a malign importance campaign as well. Yes. Just using the mechanics that are here because in Malign Portents we had four characters that were going to go in and, and figure out what was going on in Shish and they were super important. They were deriving the narrative and like I think you could easily homebrew some fun little some fun little ideas for how those guys would have affected their armies. Yeah. Um, so and to me it's 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 just cool. I love being able to battle in, I, I like to call it the perpetual now, right? Yeah. I, I like to battle in this moment and I'm battling in this moment. Why do I know that? Because I have the harbingers, right? Like little things that help you to be fixed in a moment in time. And like the Fondi outpost is the same thing where it's like, oh yeah, after this is done, you're still going to have a communication outpost. Yep. And what that does is it proves that this army fought through that era, Right. I just think that's super cool. So if I were going to use it, I would probably try and set up different moments in time. Like I would try and set up a realm gate wars, right? Like outposts mm, and yeah. like move forward to malign portents and then move forward to Thondia. And, you know, like I, I think it sets up a fun new idea for how to do things yeah. moving forward. So. I wonder that got me thinking. Um, so the, the new white dwarf, um, they have the new largest warhammer club in the world. Yep, which is the bunker. Yeah, super cool concept. I'm excited to see what they all do with it, but mm -hmm. I know that in this latest version of the bunker, they have a third edition battle plan mm -hmm. for the fight that took place in the first edition starter box. Oh, the Stormcast nice. claiming that first realm gate from uh, the Corn Bloodbound. Oh, with Vandis and and Corgus. Um, yeah, so we're at the stage now where we are getting historical battles in Age of Sigmar with new rules and new additions. That's awesome. So I wonder if that is a method Games Workshop could potentially use to come out with things like Outpost, where you can like go replay at the start of the story while still using the new edition rules and like having those timelines. Well, imagine, imagine playing through a reclaimed faction before they became reclaimed and then the arrival of the storm cast and then the building of the cities of Sigmar and like eventually moving into a city of Sigmar itself. Like that, that would be super fun. Yeah. Playing through that timeline having generals rise and fall as the eras change. And then once they establish as a city of Sigmar, then the Necroquake happens, right? Like there, there's so much <laughs> you act like actual history in, in the lore that you could play through in a path of glory battle. And like, how cool would that be? Like I'm using the sword that, you know, so-and-so's great grandfather took into battle against, you know, 
so-and-so the lich lord during the necroquake or whatever you know so it'd be cool i i know we've compared path to glory to um total war in the past yeah. right yep what you're describing paul actually sounds like playing path to glory like it's crusader kings yeah <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> like whole dynasties rise and fall mm-hmm. with with my yeah. collection here yeah every time your 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 uh warlord dies it's the next generation of the family. Dang it, Paul. See, I, I give you model ideas that you yeah. are forced to do. Yeah. But you give me like ideas for like mini campaigns, and I'm like, well, now I have to write that up. Because <laughs> that does sound too good. Like, what is the story of your faction through the timeline? Right. And it just be like a few battle plans of like, how, how did you deal with the Age of Chaos? If you're yeah. Azerites, you didn't. You wait. Um, then how do you deal with the realm gate wars? And then I think it was just called season of war, but like when they founded those first cities of life campaign, the seeds of life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like that was a campaign that they did. So were you like, did your army, what did they do during that period of time? How did you survive the necroquake? What did you during like the period between the necroquake and then what's going on with the right of life? and the era of beasts and like it can just mm-hmm. be like not even like a full campaign just questions to ask and then have them play a battle in it and then like a decision tree based on like how you survived that'd be super cool yeah dang it that would be a lot of fun <laughs> i see it in my mind's eye and it it's not too hard to envision like how to make it work so i i feel like this is in. something that you could incorporate as like a little one-off campaign Mm-hmm. Included in the vein supplement that you just made. Yeah, there was really great information a few weeks ago. <laughs> uh, this is what happens when I miss a show. Yeah, right. Yeah, what he's talking about is I mentioned it past episodes about wanting to come up with a narrative supplement, and I already did it. It's out there in the world, but we're going to repost it again with this episode so you know it's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got everything you can expect from like a white dwarf style campaign arc. Cause I copied, um, their format, but we have the lore and narrative of the veins even have like the little battle tome style timeline going from age of myth, age of chaos, age of Sigmar, how they are reintegrating with the realms, some realm rules, um, a mini campaign arc and how like rules to play those campaigns and how to come out of it rules for new regiments of renown specifically how to make your own paymaster that you can mm-hmm. add to your army and then how to make a pure dogs of war regiment of renown army yourself yeah which just means that i now have to come up with even more regiments of renown to make cooler dogs <laughs> of war armies yeah. And don't sell yourself short either, Will. There's an awesome map in here. If you ever wanted to know what we were talking about in when we're, we're talking about the veins, there's now a map that you can follow along. That map almost killed me. <laughs> it, it almost broke me because um, just I was going about it the wrong way. And the thing I was using, like I couldn't figure out a way how to get tunnels to work because like the foreground and like the program is like land and the background is water but then i didn't know how to add tunnels so then i did all this work and then three days after i post the map 
they came out with another layer I could have added. Like, hey, new update. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? Um, But I'm happy with it. It's just, oof. Yeah, and you've got some great NPCs in here or or, um, Dramatis Personae. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Rulers of the Veins, um, Paymasters or like agents that you would get quests from. Uh, A lot of things I'm pretty proud of. Narratively, a lot of it is stuff we've talked about on the show, mm-hmm. and it's just given physical form. Yeah, uh, it's great. Yeah, no, it's, it's super fun. I, I really enjoyed reading it, and there's a lot of fun content in there. So, yeah, definitely, I, I want to play through it uh, fully because it's only two to three games. Um, mm-hmm. and, like talk about that for a future episode, and then the yeah. Harbingers and getting into all that and. A lot, a lot of good stuff, and by the time we get through all of it, the next Don Bringer's book will probably be out. And <laughs> so, I haven't, I haven't missed any announcements yet on what book two is going to be, right? For so there hasn't been an official announcement okay. of like new, but from the original announcements of all the books, we have the timeline. It's going to be an autumn. It's coming with the big pig rig. Oh, and yeah. the cover they used was the Auric War Clans icon. Interesting. That's Big all day. the information we know, except we do know a few things from within the book. And since you don't know anything about it, Harry, uh, just to give you a heads up, they haven't launched the Crusades yet, but they're gonna. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is kind of where book one, book one is the events that lead to them needing to launch the Crusades. Okay, okay. So book two is probably going to be the launch, conveniently timed with the new Cities of Sigmar battle tome. Right. Mm -hmm. We know which direction they're heading on the maps. So we kind of know like where the stories are going to take place. Mm -hmm. And we know in the lore of Age of Sigmar, which factions live there. So you can expect Korn to show up in Akshi. Mm Mm-hmm. And then also in the Warcom article for the new hero lady, it spoils one of the plot threads. But it's only a spoiler if you know what the plot thread is. So I'm not going <laughs> to say it so it doesn't spoil it for you. But I was just reading the article. I'm like, oh, so that's where that goes. When okay. you say the new lady, it's the uh, Parch Empress or whatever. Yeah, the Linus of the Parch. Linus of the Parch, um, which if you've read or listened to No Van Wynn's um, God Eater's Son, like, mm-hmm. you can't help but have that reference jump out at you. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's all about, like, the geopolitics of Akshi. Yeah. Another yeah. one that people mention is the lionesses of Edessa, which I think oh, is yeah. the Realm Slayer. Yep. Yep. Like, I, it's hard to imagine that they're not also related somehow. Oh, I would, I would love for Edessa to be included in the New Cities of Sigmar book. I haven't looked at the um, the iconography that they've been showing yet to see if it's if I can speculate as to if it's one of them. But Adas has been mentioned enough in the lore that I, I really think it should get represented somewhere. Yeah. And like it could be because what they say in the article is like she's not Nazarite. And I don't even know if she's from Hammerhall. She is like an outsider. So it like it, it could be related somehow. Yeah. We don't know yet. Hmm. Um, but if you've watched the whole Black Talon series, uh, there are some plot threads from Black Talon that are in Dawnbringer as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm really uh, tempted you to get this book, aren't I? Oh, or, I I'm getting this book. <laughs> Listen to the podcast. Yeah, yeah I'll do that too. 
<laughs> and it's tempting me that I need to finish watching Black Talon. Mm. Like, there's a lot. Like, it, I've been hammering on about the White Dwarf. Like last year has been all this stuff going on in Gur, right? And everything mm. has been building up. Um, and it, it feels like the Cities of Sigmar book might be like the moment when everything kind of like makes sense or all ties in together. We'll see. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm incredibly excited to see what all is going to be involved in that, especially lore wise with the cities and every, like this, not just the the faction, the cities, but with the cities themselves. Yeah. What the book does with them. Yeah. Oh, BT Dub. One big spoiler about the first book is uh, Hammerhall gets invaded. Awesome. Which side of Hammerhall? Actually. Okay. So, yeah. So there's a lot. Like stuff happens, and I, I, yeah, it was super fun. So. Yeah. So not only is it fun for Path of Glory, it's also fun for the lore. So. Yeah, and then like if this book is any indication of what we can expect rules wise from this series. Uh-huh. Path of Glory is going to do really well in the, the coming months. Yeah. And also, we won't be able to field all the outposts that they give us. <laughs> which is a good problem to that, have. That is a great problem to have. Yeah. Especially I, I, since we went so long being like, what are these outposts that were promised? <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> well, nice. <laughs> yeah. Any final thoughts? No, I mean, I'm just excited to see Path to Glory getting some real attention. Um, And I think that doing it in a narrative book arc is the right way to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we've talked before about how this is, is probably not only the harbinger of lore changes, but, but of an addition change, you know, that seems to be the, the path that, uh, games workshop takes with these is they'll have these uh this period where they launch narrative books that are advancing the story and those lead up to a, a culminating event where they can turn over the the edition to a new edition of the rules but it's also a good place to really integrate narrative gaming and and to bring out the real potential of narrative gaming and i think this is the first time we're seeing them lean heavily into that Mm -hmm. whereas in the past they've had the the seasons of of life or the the seasons of war the seeds of life uh campaign they had the malign portents campaign and these are all exciting times that gets the player base hyped up for what's coming in the new edition but they didn't have a whole bunch of uh narrative mechanics to really get you to plug in and engage and path to glory provides them the opportunity to really lean into that let people tell story Mm -hmm. with their armies that's part of the bigger story of the game moving forward um it's something that crusade has had for a while and i've been jealous and we're getting it now and i'm super happy uh 100 agree but also you reminded me of something that has made me annoyed (laughs) (laughs) barely related uh which is when you get those end of edition books and you have armies that get new things you have people complaining like oh well in order to play you know my slaves to darkness and the beginning of third edition i needed my battle tome i needed rather the ever chosen i needed the broken realms books to get all those like sub factions and rules 
and you wait until the new battle tome comes out that consolidates it all. Right. I, I vibe with not wanting to carry a bunch of books around. I'm just realizing that at the end of the Dawnbringers campaign, they said one city will rise and one you know, crusade will fall. I'm assuming whatever city, you know, Dawnbringer Crusade survives and builds a new city is going to get subfaction rules. That won't be in the Cities of Sigmar book because it comes out before the end of the campaign. So the newest book will suddenly need you to get two books in order to to play that subfaction. Probably. Yeah. yeah. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't have any. Yeah. Any... Not to bring everything down right at the end. But like, son no. Of <laughs> but, I mean. I don't think it's actually going to be a problem. I feel like they will have a clever way to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the app has been really good. Uh, yeah. This edition at unlocking the rules that you need for your army um, just yeah. by putting in the code. I I think that that'll be a really good way for them to to get beyond that. Now, that being said, if they would add a Path to Glory tracker in the app, I'd be a really happy camper. Mm-hmm. Yes, that would be nice. Well, dear listeners, our fire has at last burned down to embers, and we must take to the path once more. If you enjoyed your time with us, consider leaving us a positive review on your podcast platform of choice, or you can leave a tip over on our Patreon at themortalrealms.com slash Patreon. If you'd like to share your stories with us, you can head on over to our Twitter at Path to Story, or you can chat with us on our Discord at themortalrealms.com slash Discord. Finally, if you'd like to keep us company on the road, Paul, where can they find you online? At PJ Shard. Harry, where can they find you online? Um, on the Discord, I'm on there just as Harry, and you'll usually find me in the Path to Glory channel. And then on Twitter, you can find me at Toy Soldier Fun. And you can find me, Will, on the Discord simply as Sever, or you can find me on Twitter and on threads at Age of Sever. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again real soon. Oh, I'm too